Innovation is in our veins. Soon the whole world will know our names. Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign. We here for the people, you know it's our way. Setting foundations is part of the dream. It doesn't matter if you're new to the game. Listen up now, cause we all gon' say. Ugh. Elevate, 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 higher. Elevate, 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 higher. We gon' rise up, we all gon' shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so good to have you all on one more time. We are grateful to be joined by the amazing Calvin Butts Jr. with us, who are going to be talking all kinds of fun stuff today when it comes to real estate. But before we start things off, Dalton, we're grateful to join be together. Absolutely. We're back. Back. In the office. Finally in the office. Yeah. And enjoying that. We are very grateful to anyone who has been listening to the podcast. We'd be grateful if you threw a subscribe our way. Yeah, share on socials is like the most appreciated. Yeah, and you know, it's just that would help us kind of show your actual appreciation for what we do. So that would mean a lot. But as we get into it tonight, uh, we have, again, as I said, uh, Calvin Butts is on with us, who uh, has accomplished a lot in the business world. And we, it's just an absolute pleasure to have him on. So before we, any, Continue on with any more delay. We're going to have him kind of do a quick intro, like where did he come from and, you know, how he came up to what he's doing now. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys. Uh, You guys got a great podcast here and, uh, you know, excited to be a guest on your show. Um, Calvin L. Bus Jr., originally from Savannah, Georgia. Um, I reside in New Jersey right now. And uh, my journey starts off after college, getting into pharmaceutical advertising and media and you know, having experiences working at a big pharma company and then pivoting into some smaller uh, firms where I was able to work with the CEOs and entrepreneurs that launched those firms. And you know, they became mentors of mine and inspired me to become an entrepreneur myself. And that led me to uh, starting several ventures in the advertising media, medical education space. And uh, you know, I, I enjoy that, that arena, having grown up in healthcare with my father being a physician and uh, now, you know, the success have afforded me an opportunity to start investing. And that's where the real estate play comes in. Um, I have a great story about meeting my partner and getting into real estate after my own experiences with some single family homes. So we can get into that a little later, but you know, definitely excited to be here and thanks for your time. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have something you want to say? No, no, I was just, yeah, Yeah. that's a really cool story. We are super pumped. Uh, Everything you just said there, I think all of our listeners are salivating. We cannot wait to get into all of it. but I think the question I had for, for you is you said you started off in kind of pharma advertising, which is exciting. Um, but if you if you go to your LinkedIn, you are currently working as like multiple things all at once. <laughs> so how did that all work and come to like, you know, like how were your your current employers OK with that? And yeah. how did you have those conversations? Well, so it's interesting. I mean, if you see, you know, my story is unique. I mean, I um, I grew up with ADHD, so I like. I like being hyperactive. I like being involved in a lot of different things. And I tell you, I've learned how to use it to my advantage. So being involved in multiple businesses really plays to my strength, having multiple things going on, always kind of being busy, being able to pivot between different email accounts, different businesses, different conversational, different partners. You know, I, I kind of live in that space and, and, and it works well for me to kind of manage that. I know for some people that, that sounds like a lot, sounds like it'd be the opposite, but for someone with me, and, uh, you know, it, it, it works out well for me. Um, so I am involved in several different businesses at once. And, um, you know, it, it is tricky sometimes, but, you know, you have your calendar, your schedule, 
I mean, it takes a lot of focus on making sure you, you, you know, you keep to your meetings and you, and you balance your day appropriately to take advantage of all the opportunities and meetings that are out there for you. That's awesome. I, I wanted to touch on the one part there because I think um, myself growing up, you know, suffering with hyperactivity and now getting into a career where I'm like, okay, there's a million things going on in my brain. That is a very important story that I think a lot of people who, who experience very similar things need to hear that, you know, it, it, it's not a, a disadvantage if you control and, and own it and then live it. You can turn it into something that, that makes you very successful. I think that's a really cool message. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think that was the, uh, it was funny, like our, you know, mutual friend is Charles Benaya. And uh, I remember when I was, you know, still working at What's On, I was in the midst of trying to start up my own design firm. And, uh, and I was trying to figure out how to, you know, how to communicate that on LinkedIn. And uh, he was like, just, uh, just look at Calvin's LinkedIn. <laughs> look at all the stuff he's doing. And I was like, sure. And I was looking, I was like, oh my gosh, he's doing a heck of a lot. And uh, like, you've done, a lot, you've gotten to do a lot of cool things. Like what's, have one fun fact that I know about you because of Charles is you got to meet Gary Vee at an event. Whoa. I did. I did. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And, uh, and, and just like, you know, what he talks about, you know, I shot my shot with him and talked to him about my real estate venture and our, and our vacation homes. And uh, I think I remember his comment was something like, you're on the right track, you're in the right space, keep it up, you know, and, and that was great. I mean, that was a nice moment to, you know, have that, have that connection with him. And uh, we were both speaking at, a, at an advertising event in New York. So that was, that was pretty cool. You pretty wow. much got to say, share the same stage as Gary Vee. That's insane. Yeah. You gotta love that. Wow. <laughs> so just again, to those who are listening in and kind of hearing Calvin's story for the first time, we are dealing with a very important individual right now who is doing a lot of damage in the real estate seg- uh, sector. So I think you, know, you, you said you've kind of gotten into the, the vacation homes and things of that nature. How did you, A, what did your start in real estate even look like to those who just don't have money right now or trying to figure yeah. out how to, what funds they can pull to be able to start really investing? Like what was some of the things and tricks that you pulled off to make it happen? So yeah, it's a great story. So my first experience with real estate started when a good friend of mine uh, was laid off and I knew that, that this guy had a phenomenal brain when it came to organizing and, you know, being kind of operational effectiveness. And I was busy working in my corporate career. And I said, look, how can we work together? What can we create or, or what can we do? And at the same time, right, real estate was buzzing. So I was thinking about buying a multi-unit house in Philadelphia. And I went to go meet the owner. The owner came to the meeting with a bag full of keys. And he was talking about how he had to find which key for which house because he had so many houses and he was really unorganized. So I had this you know, brilliant idea of starting a property management firm first, right? So, you know, I, in, you know, zero cost, right? Like create an LLC for a couple hundred bucks. And I got my buddy to, to meet with this guy, organize his entire portfolio of homes. And we started Peace Garden Financial Management literally in a week. And we ended up managing almost 80, 90 homes. And then eventually that revenue at 10, 15%, depending on the deal in the home, that started some generated some cash flow. But what it really afforded me was the chance to get to know the houses that were in the area, because now we're managing them. So as I'm learning the homes in the area, I started picking off a few that I thought 
I might want to own myself. So I bought my first single family home in Philadelphia for like under 20K. And I did some renovation and started renting it out. And then I grabbed another one. I think I had about five at the time. And then, um, you know, I was kind of like, okay, you know, and, you know, growing that side of the single family home space. And then, you know, we can get into, you know, how I pivoted to the, to the luxury vacation homes, but that's how I got my start, man. I was, you know, I found a way to kind of get engaged and underneath someone who was already doing it very well and had a lot of properties. And we learned what worked, what didn't work. And I tell you, we learned a lot. So, I mean, you know, my advice would be to find folks who are doing it and get around them, learn from them, figure out ways you can help them, right? You, you, know, you can bring knowledge, experiences, resources, and, and probably help them in their day-to-day -day real estate needs. And that can give you the information that, that you might need to build the confidence to jump in the game yourself. It did for me. Uh, you started That's, out too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I guess uh, a little background is I own a, a real estate investment company in, in Halifax as well. And uh, I started the same way as I didn't, I didn't have any money to <laughs> just go buy a building. So I, I started a property management company in Halifax, Park City Leasing Specialists. I uh, converted that into a, an investment firm uh, about a, two years later. Yeah. Smart. Very smart. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. So my, my experience, you know, really just taught me that one, I wanted to do something a little different, right? So I believe in what's called integrated life. And I wanted to get my family and my friends involved in the real estate. Nobody was really excited about going to West Philadelphia and check on the properties with me. So I was like, well, what type of real estate would excite my family and my kids? And that's kind of what made me start thinking about vacation rental homes. And, and that's what kind of, you know, led me to discovering that entire new, um, you know, sector of the industry. And so what's been like the coolest home you've dealt with when it comes to vacation homes? Like, where is it located? Oh, uh, well, I mean, so the coolest house. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's, that's fun. So I love Martha's Vineyard. I think Martha's Vineyard is a really awesome place. If you've never been, I mean, I suggest everyone try to go and spend some time there on the island. I mean, it's got a lot of great history, a lot of great African-American history as well. So, you know, felt some some connection and synergies there with myself and my family. But I mean, just a beautiful place. And, uh, you know, and it's and it certainly is, you know, you know, very, very busy in the summer, but has some beautiful spring and and off peak seasons that are very are very fun to enjoy on the island as well. So I would say Martha's Vineyard is probably my favorite destination right now. That, that's exciting. Yeah. So what's been, oh, sorry, did you have No, no, oh, no. Did you have, uh, what's it been like kind of navigating, obviously, I know you've probably gotten this question a billion times, and I'm going to give it to you another billion and one times, is how have you kind of, kind of been navigating this process through COVID and kind of howing to kind of rejig your strategy to be able to gain more traction? So COVID has been interesting for us. So COVID, so we became students of COVID as soon as it hit, right? So as soon as March, you know, around about middle of March, you know, we were studying everything from the CDC guidelines to all the different state travel restrictions and, and the different locations where we have properties. And uh, so like we literally became students of it. We, we'd had, we had 8.30 calls every morning as partners to talk about what's happening in Martha's Vineyard. How's the ferry running? Are they letting folks on without you know, uh, positive tests, you know, et cetera. You know, so we were really, really engaged in what was happening. Then as things started to kind of, you know, be become known and, and we kind of knew what we were dealing with, then we started seeing folks kind of try to settle into, all right, we're going to quarantine. Where are we going to quarantine? And then we saw a complete uptake in bookings 
of folks rushing to get out of the major cities, rushing to get out of Philadelphia, Boston, New York, and spending weeks and months in our homes. You know, we have great examples of stockbrokers staying in our Poconos house for the entire month, bringing their own mesh router and trading stocks and then going out on the lake at 4.30. You know, other, other folks who live in high rises in Manhattan coming down to, you know, the vineyard and literally relaxing with their family and letting their kids play in the grass. First time their kids got a chance to hang out, you know, that that year, you know, given the weather and everything. So, you know, we you know we've we really have had a chance to host folks who were looking for an escape of COVID and being in quote unquote concrete jungles and you know wanting more space and privacy so that they can enjoy fresh air, et cetera. So between Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Hilton Head, South Carolina, Martha's Vineyard. And now Orlando, Florida, we offer, you know, luxury, private, very resort-like experiences for folks to travel and enjoy the now work from anywhere movement as COVID has, you know, really allowed folks to learn how to live off their laptops. And, and that is going to help it fuel more travel. So we've seen an increase in booking. We've updated our cleaning. Uh, we've invested in our cleaning crews, right? So we have better products now. We're taking more time to clean houses. We're allowing space in between stays to allow to, to make sure cleaning is is efficient. So we're doing a lot of things, you know, in in line with what this new world um, has has kind of put in front of us. And and but I mean, we've had record breaking years in 2020 and 2021. It's looking great. Dang. Wow. Yeah. So with the record breaking year you had in, in 2020 and so far in 2021, does the prospect of a of a COVID-19 vaccine um, excite you even more for the possibility of like a surge in people just wanting to get on a plane, get as far away from where they were stuck for the last maybe two years, possibly. Um, is there like high preparation in place, like to prepare for that amount? Like, are you, are you like looking to acquire more so you have more inventory or is it just let's market what we have better? Is there, is there a game plan going into possible vaccine? Great question. Yeah. So we want to buy more homes as, as you know, we're, we're in the process of putting in offers this week and we're looking at uh, expanding our territory and our footprint in our current locations, right? We need more inventory. I mean, all of our major weekends, holidays and stuff are booked. So, I mean, to, to offset that, we, we got to get more inventory online. So, you know, we definitely see the vaccine is going to encourage more confidence in travel. But right now, I mean, you know, we're accommodating folks who are comfortable driving, who are looking for short trips that are in drivable destinations, eight hours, five hour trips. Um, when you think about Gatlinburg, right? Gatlinburg, Tennessee is in driving distance of 71% of the US population, right? So you think about that being something that anyone could consider from Chicago, Atlanta, Charlotte, you know, they can yeah. get to Gatlinburg, Tennessee and in a day's trip and enjoy you know, being up in the Great Smoky Mountains, et cetera. So, you know, we're, you know, we're definitely looking for more inventory. And as things continue to uh, develop with the vaccine, you know, we're anticipating more folks getting out and traveling. But then we also know that folks are going to get back comfortable going international. And uh, we anticipate launching a new fund and exploring international travel um, in the future. Wow. So you've got everything planned out, essentially. Uh, and that's fantastic. <laughs> this is exciting times for you guys. So East Chop Capital, is that correct? The name? Correct. Um, how did that come about? How, was, how did that start? Great question. So right now, I mean, so 2014, I met Carrington Carter, my partner. 
uh, he had was he was on a Poconos trip and it was his turn to collect the money. And he's like, man, I'm paying this guy $3,500 to stay for three nights. And he, you know, he realized that the house was worth X and that that was probably one month mortgage. And he figured if this guy's getting this every other weekend, you know, this house is paid for, you know, free and clear. And that really inspired him to get into the vacation home space. I then met him at a Hampton University homecoming event where he presented the idea to me to invest in his business, to go buy a lot in the Poconos. And I thought it was a no brainer right around the same time I mentioned earlier, where I was looking to get out of the Philadelphia real estate. And it was just a perfect, you know, perfect, you know, kind of partnership at the time. And uh, so I invested in his business. We bought the lot in the Poconos. We, we built the house. And then from there, we started buying other homes by ourselves. So eShop Capital, where did that come about? So fast forward to 20, 2017, people are calling us like, hey, you guys are killing it. I love the house in the vineyard. Love the house in the Poconos. How can I invest? How can I get involved with you guys? And we thought the best way to do that was to create a private equity vehicle, right? So we wanted to create a vehicle that once we got people on board, we didn't want to do deal by deal. We wanted people to invest in us, let us buy additional homes, but, but also have them engaged in a new private equity vehicle that they could start investing in other funds and other private placement opportunities. And we're seeing that right now. So, so East Chop Capital started really around the essence of bringing people together to invest in our um, vacation rental home uh, success and see us grow a portfolio of homes that we own and manage with our investors, which has you know great opportunity for hard and soft ROI. Shoot. Nope, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, sorry. We're still start figuring out this whole co-host thing, you know. <laughs> um, but um, I think that that is, I mean, that's exciting. So with East Chop Capital, you know, you said it off the top. You know, you ha- you know you do you know you have ADHD. You know, with your kind of your dreams and your aspirations, where do you see East Chop Capital going? And kind of what do you what would cause you to be like, mm, you know, what? I don't really want to do this anymore, or what what makes you kind of keep going with that? You know, it's 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 a great question. I mean, I'm I'm extremely excited about East Job Capital. I mean, it, you know, it's 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 my unicorn, right? If you will. Um, you know, I think the fact that we've been able to raise four million dollars from ninety investors who are who are great across the board in their different jobs and industries, from entrepreneurs, neurosurgeons to college presidents, you name it. So we so we've got a great room. And as you know, in business, it's about relationships and you know, networking. So I think, you know, we're going to be able to do a lot as a group. And I think we've created a lot of noise with, um, you know, in the private equity space already, having done this door to door during COVID. And um, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, I'm excited about what the future holds. We have ideas for funds two and funds three. And, you know, our investors are eager to see us continue to do more and expand our footprint in the vacation rental homes as well. Wow. And you said you say four million or forty million? Four million. So we raised four million. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So I got kind of a relatively lighter question for you. Uh, Dalton's gonna roll his eyes at me. Uh, what are your thoughts on Grant Cardone? Yeah. So so you got to listen to him a lot, I imagine, right? I I do. Yeah. He just gets annoyed by him. <laughs> so so tell me tell me what annoys you by him. Walk me through your process there. So it's it's everything he says, great, great behind the story, but but behind what Grant Cardone is, is a good message. I dislike the delivery 
and the maybe the arrogance that sometimes comes with it. Um, I, I, I think that you can deliver very sound business and financial information without the whole getting on planes, showing the G wagon, showing the AP, you know, kind of thing, you know, the Dior Christian Dior Nikes. You, you, don't, you don't need to see yeah. that to know someone's successful. So to me, that's where I just get annoyed. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, there's there's different styles out there. I mean, totally. I, think, I mean, I follow him and follow a few others and everybody's got their own style. Right. I mean, in some days, some days that 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 triggers me some days yep. I'm like, ah, OK. And then other days I look for more meat and potatoes and the knowledge and the conversation. So, I mean, it, it just depends on your style and really how you're flowing that day or who you vibe with. But, um, yeah. you know, there's. I mean, there, there's, there's tons of inspiration on social media and tons of guys right. who are doing some amazing things. And, you know, wherever you can find the inspiration and motivation to get up and do more, you know, certainly follow and watch it and share it and, and engage with it. Absolutely. Totally. Sure. Who are your guys? Like, who do you vibe with? Who's like you guys are following right now and, you know, keeping your ear to the ground? You know, oh man. So I tell you one thing I do that's interesting, right? I mean, I definitely have a lot of folks on social media and I'm not a, I'm not a big, um, you know, follower or sharer of stuff, but me and my partner do share a lot of things, right? So anything focused on wealth creation or anything focused on, you know, financial literacy and things like that, like all the hot topics, you know, we share that back and forth probably about four or five times a day. Um, so, I mean, I would say that's important for, you know, your listeners. Find someone that you can share something with. If it if it makes you tingle or makes you think about something, share it. Mm. Get somebody else's reaction. Talk to it. Think about it with them. Tell them what you're thinking and get some dialogue going with your peers. I tell you, I learn a lot from my peers. And I mean, but me, yeah, I mean, there's some big boys out there. Um, you know, like you said, Gary V, Cardone. I mean, you know, they're all. I I definitely do follow all the all the, all the big names and inspiration. And you know, certainly the I like the money talk. But, you know, I, I also know that, you know, a lot of hard work went into that and there's a lot more to the story, right? Totally. Um, one question I kind of wanted to segue over to is it's whenever I get the chance to ask anyone who has a, has a background in, in real estate or, or sort of a, in business in general, um, when, it, when it comes to personal housing as in like where you live, um, do you follow the idea that housing is an expense, therefore renting it can sometimes make more sense than buying long-term depending on what you want to use your credit for where it could make you more money rather than having it sit in a mortgage. I kind of want to get your mm. um, understanding because I believe that housing is an expense and renting is usually best if you have the credit to make money. Uh, and I kind of want to see what you have to say about that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I think you got to think about, you know, where you are in your life and what you want to do. You know, I mean, you know, my partner and I, you know, I started my family a little earlier. So getting a home and having a place for my kids to have space and play, that was important to me, you know, and that was something that I, I believed I needed and wanted at the time. My partner, he'll tell you, you know, being, being, you know, you know, a young couple with no kids, they were willing to sacrifice to buy properties for investment. And it worked out great for him. Right. And, you know, now and now they've bought their main house and they're doing extremely well with it. And I'm sure they plan to have their family, you know, accepted in the future. But it just depends on your timing. You know, I mean, I, I started investing after I got married. So and, and after I had kids. So for me, you know, I was about 
you know, getting a home and creating a balance and getting that stuff settled. But yeah, I mean, I think it makes total sense to rent if you have plans to use your credit wisely for investments to, 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 to help you with savings. And I would say even another step, I mean, you know, having roommates, staying with your parents, mm. if you were planning on doing something and know what you want to do and saving money and capital is a, is a line to the sacrifice you may have to make, I would absolutely suggest you do it. You know, again, staying with your parents, taking on roommates, you know, living below your means, you know, are all things that, that are very important to, to getting started early and getting off to a great start as well. So you said, you know, you didn't start your first investment until you were after you married and had your kids. How old were you when you kind of made your first investment? So great question. So I got married in 2008 and I made my, I started my first company in 2008. And, and I would say I made my first private placement investment really right after college. I had an opportunity to get in on a young, med, on a very young medical device company that is still up and running, you know, still, still doing well. Um, and I got a chance to invest in that. Me and a college buddy, um, he had just bought a house where we went to school and we took out a line of credit on his house and each put 5K into this investment and was buying it at, you know, pennies on the dollar. And now it's a very strong growing medical device company that we hope gets bought by a larger conglomerate at, at some point. So, you know, I mean, I started early, but I mean, you know, you know I, I remember taking out that, that, home, that, that home equity line and then paying him back 5K out of my check over like eight, nine months, right? You know, so, I mean, you know, we did what we had to do to come up with the, with the 10K to make the investment. And, and we promised that we would just pay it back monthly. And we did that. So, I mean, you know, you definitely can get started by different means. And, you know, that was one way I got started, whether you borrow it from somebody or whether you pull it out of, you know, some asset you currently have. But yeah, and I, I like making angel investments and that's a big part of what I do now is invest in other businesses. So we can kind of go into that a little bit, but just before I get, we get there, um, kind of want to finish off that last thought. So what would be your advice to say a 28 year old right now who feels like, Oh man, I've been in the workforce for about five, six years and you know, I haven't really made the investments I've wanted to. Is it too late for me? What's your advice to that person? I mean, you got to get started. I mean, there, there are multiple opportunities to invest. I mean, even if you started small with some of the stuff you see on like the different incubators, WeFunder, et cetera, you know, just get involved in something and learn. You know, I mean, I've made investments sitting with a guy um, and he's drawing on the back of a napkin, uh, airport delivery food service uh, app. And lo and behold, that later became at your gate. You guys are familiar with them. They're in about nine different airports now and they basically are Uber for food delivery between the gates as passengers, whether landing, trying to connect their flight or whether they're stranded, this place will deliver food to you. And, and the guy drew the picture on the back of a napkin and we were both, you know, he was probably 38 and I was probably 36. So, I mean, you know, you talk about being, you know, you know being older and, but having relationships and having a network. Now that company is in talks with Grubhub and, and, and other companies to, to, to possibly be, you know, partner and, and hopefully knock on wood acquire. But, you know, that was an investment I made, you know, watching a guy draw on the back of a napkin and going in my car and writing him a check on my steering wheel, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's, you know, there, there's going to be opportunities, whether you're old, whether you're young, if you're networking and spending time with the right people, there's going to be opportunities to invest for sure. 
All right. So that's the thing. You clearly someone who has seen a lot of success in your investments over the course of your life. What do you look for when someone pitches you an idea and what makes you write that check for them? So it's one thing. I mean, so to use the analogy, I guess, in Horace, right? So, you know, you're definitely looking at the jockey, right? Like you, you got to know you look, you're looking at somebody who is passionate about what they're doing. They truly understand their space and their market and what they're trying to accomplish, right? So I would say that's the biggest part of it. And the second part is what's your really understanding of the market, right? You don't have to be an expert in it, but do you, but, but do you understand what, what they're trying to do? What are they trying to disrupt? What are they trying to innovate? You know, what is unique? You know, what will be that value proposition that this product or this service will bring to that industry? If you can explain those things and you think you got a jockey that, that, that you'd want to go on business with or that you'd want to partner with, then that type of investment you say yes to. Mm. That makes a lot of sense because I think that was actually kind of advice I even, I heard kind of Gary V throw out once upon a time was a lot of the times he actually just, he invests in the person. He's not even investing in the idea necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, he just trusts that the work that they're going to put in. So I think that, that you brought that point up nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, these are incredible stories. Um, you've kind of been all over the place and doing all kinds of different things, getting your fingers in different things. Uh, I think it kind of sums up well what you said at the beginning of the, the show. It was like you just like to try and, you know, free up all these opportunities to see what you can do and make things, different things happen. So at the end of the day, like, what do you have a goal? Like, what is your main goal in life? Is it just like, hey, see, I just want to have some fun, you know, and raise a great family and have a great family life? Or do you have like, this is like my net worth goal by the time I'm 60 or whatever? Like, yeah. what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, I think the goal for me is uh, integrated life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as my business ventures are something I can enjoy with my family and friends and my network, then I'm gonna I'm gonna be all in, you know, going going hard at 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 growing those ventures and making them great. Um, you know, should there be a point where you know I get to spend more time relaxing and kind of hanging out and enjoying the success? Absolutely. You know, I I do enjoy traveling. I do enjoy spending time with the family. I enjoy golf. I enjoy cars. I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a normal guy when, when I turn the laptop off, I like sports. So, I mean, you know, I definitely want to spend more time relaxing. I would say what does ultimately the end game look like for me is businesses running that I can be involved in as like a chairman level. And so that I can still be advising them, but, but they could continue to grow and, and, and bring change and, and success to their industry and ventures. Absolutely. Just an absolutely random question based off what you said, just to kind of scoot right away from business. Do you have like, you mentioned cars, do you have like a car collection currently or is there cars that you've got your eyes on or like, what's the, what's the car situation? Um, so my father was a car guy, so I'm into cars. Um, I have a few cars, a few nice toys. Uh, if you're looking for me to name them, I will. Um, I have a, a 1991 BMW 850i, uh, V12, um, six-speed, very, very, very rare. Um, I have a, uh, I have the Ferrari from Bad Boys 2, oh, 550 wow. Melanero. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, have a, I have a 1995 Range Rover Classic, a uh, long wheelbase, um, the, the real box-looking um, Range Rover. Um, I saw the Queen in one when I was a kid and became fascinated with it. And so, you know, I, I, 
I like the cars that I had on my wall as a kid. So yeah. nothing really new. Totally. But um, a lot of the older stuff, old is gold to me, you know. Uh, and, you know, cars can be an asset as well. I mean, these cars have appreciated for me since I purchased them. And uh, I think that's pretty cool um, yeah. that, you know, most of them, I mean, I received, I just received an offer on a car today that was, you know, you know, almost double what I paid for it. Right. So, I mean, it's, a, it's exciting to yeah. have a passion that can also be an asset class. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I remember like I, I, I was, I have a friend of mine who's super into cars and, uh, and I'm, I have to be honest, I was I'm totally not in that space at all. Not my thing. I uh, don't totally understand it. And uh, all I know is cars are a depreciating asset. And so I remember he was throwing all these car names at me. He's like, these are also appreciating. I was like, no, don't you mean depreciating? He's like, no, they appreciate. And I was like, that's nuts. And I'm like, it's crazy the type of cars you can get that they can appreciate in value, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, when, when you think about like, you know, where we're going in the car industry with, uh, you know, you know, electric and fuel efficiency. I mean, you know, the classics, you know, will become rarer and rarer. Yeah. And uh, so they become like art. Right. So, you know, some of these cars to me are like art. You know, you know, you, you know these are not cars you drive every day. These are cars you take out, go to a car show, come back. And, uh, you know, you basically look at them in your garage, like hanging art on your wall in your house. Uh, to an extent, but um, yeah, there'll be a market for certain cars based on the fact that they're six speed, based on the fact that they're 12 cylinder. I mean, all these things are becoming, you know, very, you know, very rare. So how did you snag the one from Bad Boys 2? I'm very curious how you got that one. Yeah, well, I mean, so so to, to be accurate, the one in Bad Boys 2 is a, is a 757 because some car guy is going to correct me for sure, but <laughs> it's the same model, just a, a different year and type. So the same style, same look and feel. But um, the the 550 was the last time they made a full six feet line of cars, um, so that's that's the one I have the the 550 Melanero six feet uh, V12. Um, so got that from a place in Long Island. Um, I had a buddy that I was talking to about cars and the fact that they appreciate it. He was saying, "Grab a six speed, you know," and then honestly, I'm a big guy. I'm six five, so that car is a front engine. So we know anything about cars, there's more room when the uh, engine's in the front versus the mid-engine mid or rear-engine cars. So um, the, it was like a perfect storm for me. It was a six-speed. I could actually fit in it, which I thought was great. And uh, so uh, I, I took the leap of faith. And again, yeah, I mean, people thought I was crazy. And now, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a car show darling. That's super cool. Dude, wow. So again, let's go through. You said you were a car guy. What were the other interests you said you had? Uh, golf and travel. Oh. I mean, um, bourbon and scotch. I also hey. have a pretty big bourbon and scotch collection. Um, I do enjoy um, a good bourbon, a good old fashioned, and uh, really big into scotches. Macallan scotch. I have a pretty large collection of Macallan. Some of the travel editions from Duty Free and some stuff from some other countries and a few rare bottles that they released in limited edition. And then uh, the, the bourbons, I mean, Michter's and a few other bourbons I'm a huge fan of just because I like the story behind the bourbons, where they've been distilled and the distilleries and, and you know, the, the stories dating back to, you know, Civil War time, right? I mean, I, I, I enjoy the story behind bourbon a lot. Mm. So it seems like there's always a story behind, behind any of your interests, it seems. Um, it really comes from like a, a deep-seated passion for something, where the interest comes from, right? Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, 
I think Wolf, I, I'm actually genuinely curious how this went because the only, the first time I actually heard of you was your barbecue sauce company. Yeah. How was that going? How'd that turn out? So interesting. So, you know, the barbecue sauce company, I'm no longer involved in it. Um, it was transitioned to a guy in Long Island who wanted to mix barbecue sauce with premium package uh, meat to, to make a kind of like a combination of, you know, a high-end burgers with a, uh, with a Southern style barbecue sauce, but uh, very interesting business. I mean, I would say that one was either, you know, flat for me, but I mean, it was a great experience. I learned consumer goods. I learned the, um, the you know, all the language and the negotiating skills needed to get a product in the ShopRite, into Publix, into Kroger's, um, into Whole Foods, right? You know, so, you know, that's, a, that's great advice for your listeners, you know, not every investment is going to be this like windfall. Like I don't, I didn't make any money on that investment. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it, but I probably learned the most um, when it comes to that. I, I would liken it to paying for an expensive NBA, right? You know, but I now know that space and I'm, I look, I'm looking forward to making additional consumer good investments and maybe even being involved in a board related to consumer products because of that experience on, you know, you know, getting and taking a, a guy who was literally mixing sauce in Sam's Club to getting him on the shelves of, you know, stores all, all up and down the East Coast and, you know, nationally and, and started, you know, we, you know, built the website, started shipping across the country, got involved with major stores and chains. I mean, great experience, great experience. Um, so I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's really awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, your business, uh, dealing with business, you know, obviously you, you've kind of dealt with business in like kind of the main hubs of kind of the East Coast of the States. Have you ever done much business with people in, in, in Canada or, um, and if so, what's been the difference between dealing with people in Canada versus dealing with people, you know, in these main hubs in the States? Well, so as you know, I work with Watson Health and have supported them, you know, for a while. And I mean, and Charles is probably my main uh, Canada connection. And I mean, he's been great. So if Charles is an example of working with, uh, you know, businesses, you know, north of the border, then I would say all you guys are awesome and great. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get real. Charles is a fake Canadian. Um, I, like, I always give my hard time. It's funny. Uh, the thing I love about Charles is obviously, you know, he grew up in Toronto, but then spent a lot of his time and come to the business community down in New York. And so whenever I, I first met him, he was a whirlwind to deal with. Uh, as me, who was Canadian, who wasn't, didn't really grow up directly in the business space, I was like, wow, this guy is a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he told me a story of when he kind of lectured all, the, this, all these kids at York University in Toronto of how they're just not hungry enough to, to build businesses. Mm-hmm. And the difference between people in the States uh, who are trying to be entrepreneurs versus people in Canada is drastically different because the mm-hmm. culture is very different. So that's why I was like genuinely curious kind of what your, your vibes were. Cause like, I'm even sensing it from you right now. Like right now, the Calvin butts that we're getting is the, chi- is he's still a chill guy, but I'm still sensing an, an intensity from you. Um, and which is, which is like shows the acumen of the, um, the work ethic you put in, which I, I'm not saying it's a negative thing. I think it's really cool. It just shows me like, wow, like you, you think on a different level. I appreciate that. No, I appreciate that. No, I mean, I, um, I definitely, you know, I learned a lot from Charles. I mean, Charles, Charles definitely is probably my greatest mentor outside of my father before he passed. You know, Charles certainly, uh, you know, he was at my wedding, he met my dad and, uh, you know, Charles since then has been just really my go-to for fatherly advice, for business advice, 
And I mean, you know, I've watched him build successful businesses and, I, and I've had the pleasure of being a part of it and I've learned a lot. So, I mean, I would say, you know, I, I owe a lot of my success to just his, his conversations. I mean, there were times where we go on a run where Charles and I are talking for an hour a day and we literally go from everything to every single business I'm involved in to marriage, to kids. And then we go right back to how do we make money today, right? Like that was a question <laughs> Charles and I used to ask each other every day. He may have shared that with you. But yeah. like, I literally sometimes just still, I still text him and say, how do we make money today? And uh, so, so him and I have a great relationship and uh, I, I consider him just one of the best mentors humanly possible. That's amazing. And he, you're right. He did tell me about that. And uh, cause he, that's, that's something he kept you know drilling into my head. And he's like, that's the question you always got to ask yourself. How are you going to make money today? And he kind of told me the story of how you guys had that back and forth. <laughs> and, um, um, like, I think that's a great question every entrepreneur should be asking themselves. Like, how are you going to make money today? Do you find yourself still asking yourself that question? Or do you, is it maybe just a couple times a week? Every now? day. Every day. Nope, every day. Mm. Every day I get up and do some of the same stuff. You know, I'm a huge Rick Ross guy. So I love the songs like, you know, Every Day I'm Hustling or something like that. Like, those are my shower songs. Nice. And then I, <laughs> I put together my game plan. How do I make money today? You know, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to communicate with, you know, and, and, and then, you know, get dressed and go get it. Amazing. So, I love it. So is there a, uh, is there a Calvin, uh, Spotify playlist out there that I can check in on this on or. <laughs> hey, I'd be happy to sing you the playlist, man. But I mean, you know, it's, you know, you, once you listen to it, you, you gotta be ready to go get it now. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, no, I think that's awesome. I think as we wind down here, um, and did you, I, I feel like I've just com completely cut you out of this conversation. No, not at all. Not so, at all. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no. So, no, no. Um, as we kind of wind down a bit here is, um, what are some, okay. So when you ask yourself that question, it's like, all right, how do I make money today? What do you find yourself doing? Like, what is kind of your practicals that you kind of stick to? Great question. So for, for me, it starts with all the things I'm already currently involved in. Right, so you gotta go back and like read your notes, if you will, right? You gotta think about, okay, what have I been working on the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, last couple of months that's almost there and how do I push it over the finish line? Whether it's a project, whether it's a new relationship, you know, I believe everyone we talk to on a daily basis could bring us some level of value, right? And money is the cheapest form of currency. So it doesn't always have to be about money, right? But value could be anything from a new relationship, from some insight, from some motivation, some, you know, just, you know, just the, the ability to talk or listen to someone, you know, why you got someone on your mind and you want to get off your chest, et cetera. So that's what I would do first. I mean, I would look at my network, look at my relationships, who should I be talking to today? Mm. You know, and then I would open up and share my story. You know, one of the things I don't think a lot of people do enough of when they're trying to make money or they're trying to start a business or they're trying to build something is they don't share their story. They, they don't go and tell their network what they're trying to do. And I think that is the biggest miss in most communities and in most, you know, relationships with people is that they're not saying, hey, today I am trying to launch a business that's focused on X. Can you help me? Or what do you know about it? What can you share with me that can help me launch this business? So sharing your story is key. You got to be able to communicate what you're trying to do. And I think if you can do that, whether you're talking to somebody, a stranger in the elevator, somebody sitting next to you on a plane, or whether you just happen to run into your neighbor at the mailbox, take the time and tell them what you're up to. Mm -hmm. You know, that has worked for me significantly well with my college network, 
with my neighborhood community and even now virtually when I get on calls and I get with new people, you know, I don't like starting a meeting without, hey, or ending a meeting. What else do you have going on? What else are you up to? How can I help? Mm, I think it's fantastic advice. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Uh, I think that's something I'm going to even put into practice myself. You know, I think as a last question, as more of a kind of a real human question, uh, as we kind of we kind of hit in this theme of uh, what, how are we going to make money today? Is do you ever have those days where you do wake up and you just you don't feel like you have it and you're just kind of having a tough day? What, how do you deal with those days when kind of you're kind of drained mentally and physically and uh, you know move forward? Well, look, you, you know, you, you got to rest, right? My wife tells me all the time, like, look, take a second, sit down, right? You know, sometimes you got to get out of the office, turn the light off, close the laptop and just, you know, turn it off for a little bit. And so when you have days like that, that's your body, that's your mind, that's your matrix telling you, hey, look, it's an off night. It's an off night. You know, you know, you've, you've probably put up some great stats. You gave it your all, but today's going to be an off day. And you know what? Just get through the day, wake up tomorrow, fresher, you know, be, you know, refocus, recommit. But, you know, take a second. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with days like that. I have them. I definitely have them. And like normally I just sit and I just reflect. Right. All right. Why am I feeling this way? What's got me like this? And normally you can pinpoint it to something that happened earlier in the week or something you you're you know, you know, is getting ready to happen. And so, you know, how do you address that? You know, and then let that be your thought and, and to try to figure it out. But, you know, when your body and your mind is is telling you to relax, you definitely got to listen. And, you know, oftentimes it's not like you're in a funk or as or as negative. It's really just, hey, you've been you've been grinding and you got to pace yourself. But then, you know what, take take the rest and come back twice as hard the next day. Mm. I think that's amazing. I think it's a great way to end off today's episode. Totally. With your, with your, your time. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know you're a busy guy and it's, you know, getting late into the evening uh, where, you're, uh, where you're at. So really appreciate you, you know, looking fresh, coming on. Uh, you know, I was two, with two guys who were dressed up in their hoodies <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, you know, it really has meant a lot that you've taken the time out and, uh, your advice Absolutely. is, was amazing. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, look, man, I'll tell you guys this, man, you know, I, I want you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, I wish I had a podcast like this when I was coming up, you know, in my early twenties, when I was sitting there trying to figure it out, you know, I just, I just got lucky and got around some entrepreneurs who were able to share with me, but. I mean, you're bringing the world to these folks, and I think that's great. And uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna keep listening in, and I'm gonna keep sharing, you know, some of the good uh, episodes that I've already heard, and I look forward to many more. So keep doing what you're doing. I'm a fan. Okay. Thank you so much, Thank Calvin. You so much. We will. We are gonna keep going because Calvin told us so. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Have yourself a good one. Cool, man. See you. Peace. See ya. Yeah. Peace. Well, that was fantastic, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. Oh goodness. That was, that was uh, good. Yeah, uh, that was very impressive. I really appreciated all that he had brought to the table. Uh, we got yeah. the stuff I didn't even think of we were going to get into. What an impressive guy. Mm-hmm. Accomplished so much. Uh, made me feel really bad about myself for about three minutes. I was oddly intimidated. Yeah, <laughs> right? I was feeling the, uh, it was oozing through the screen. It's weird that Charles mentored him. Right? Because he gives me like... Yeah. I own the world vibes. 100%. 100%. Especially when he started listing off all the cars he's got. When he said Ferrari, I was like, oh. Oh, we're we dealing with the real stuff. Oh. Yeah, we're dealing with the real stuff. A Ferrari. We, we got the real <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, dude. Well, thank you so much for all those who are listening in. It's meant a lot. Absolutely. And 
And yeah, this is still an outro, isn't it? 100%. Oh, it's yeah. Still, we're still talking. I'm still <laughs> yeah. vibing right now, man. Mac wants to get home, but, you know, we're going to keep her here. Keep her going. <laughs> <laughs> we love having Mac here. Uh, pushing the buttons for us, making things good. You know, we wouldn't be anywhere without her. That's great. We get we keep giving her a mic, but she never likes to use it. Um, this isn't plugged in. What are you talking about? It is plugged in. People can hear you. People can hear me? Yes. Oh, they heard that. Whoa. They heard you now. <laughs> hey. What were your thoughts on that on, on that interview? No, I was I was just sitting here feeling like I should be paying for this. Like <laughs> I he I mean a lot of stuff obviously. I'm not in real estate or anything like that. We know. But even just the thoughts of <laughs> just yeah, even when he was listing off the cars, I was just like, "Yep, he's made it. Like mm-hmm. he's he's comfortable." But what's <laughs> cool is that in his mind he hasn't. Right. Like to um to me, I'm like, "Whoa!" Mm-hmm. Like you made it. Yeah. But it's like, no, there's more to do. Right, and that's kind of how I'm feeling too. I was like, if I was in this position, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take the foot off the gas pedal and uh, just gonna enjoy life now. And my family, yeah, accomplished a lot. Which I'm sure I don't want to assume, but I'm sure he comfortably could. But yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I I think the reason why he can is he 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 kept going back to, um, the integrated lifestyle. Mm. I feel like that's what makes it so easy to continue to work so hard. Right, is because his family and friends are involved. So mm-hmm. he, it's not like. He has to work and then see his family. Is he's involving them, so right. I think it makes it easier. That does make it easier, doesn't it? I wish I asked more questions about that. I wanted to get into that more. Hey, you still went over a lot of nice questions because mm-hmm. I just even just his motivation, mm. like yeah, for for literally, I'm obviously I don't think he's in his early twenties, but <laughs> he just for his age and just he's still grinding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Yeah, so it was good for him, and yeah, we're very grateful uh, for him and his time. And uh, we're very grateful to all of you uh, for tuning in one more time. Uh, We really do hope you have yourselves a great night. However you listen to this, whether it be playing sports or uh, living an integrated lifestyle. Just going for a walk. Or doing yoga. Actually, you probably didn't listen to doing yoga. But if you're at the gym, how are you listening? The gym, gym, yeah. Yeah, I guess the gym works. As long as you got a face mask on. It's all good. Awesome. Well, how are you listening to this? Wherever Wherever you are. We love you. We're out. Peace.